It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Pollock trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Back over to Manny, splits the defense, he's shot, he scores! Back in there was Shillington, on collision, VL, center and feed, they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Well, it was quiet for a couple weeks following the Stanley Cup final, but of course with the NHL draft this past weekend, a development camp going on as we speak. There's certainly plenty to talk about in the world of the San Jose Sharks and the San Jose Barracuda. Hello, everybody. Nick Nolenberger here, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. NHL draft is always fun. It means there's going to be a new crop of prospects that are on the horizon to kind of fill the future for your NHL club. And of course, what we'll see in the very near future at the American Hockey League level. The Sharks made five draft selections this past weekend in Vancouver. A lot of moving, a lot of going up and going down. They didn't have any second rounders a week and a half ago. Well, they make that trade with Justin Braun. They get a second rounder in return, also a third rounder next year. Eventually got another second rounder with some moves as well. So they come out with five draft picks, continue to bolster the prospect pool. And now we gear up for a week of development camp where you have a handful of guys in town who are either drafted, signed, or trial players. They'll skate all week. There's a lot of testing that goes on, and then it will culminate in a game this upcoming Friday at the SAP Center, 7 o'clock puck drop for prospect scrimmage. It's nice to have hockey back, Joe. I know uh, it's, a, it's a little more eventful here in the office when we've got guys in town and a lot going on over the next week, but certainly nice to to see uh, see some guys and some friendly faces and, and get some guys into town. Yeah, I think and I think guys are excited to be here and be back on the ice, uh, especially the guys who were here last year. I, I know we were over there for a bit yesterday, and there was a lot of energy in the the Sharks locker and the Barracuda locker. I'm just everybody's just really happy to be back. I think it'll be nice at the end of the week to decompress again and really take another break before things truly ramp up. Uh, but I think everybody's excited to be back. I know it's for hockey fans, obviously, I think the season for both the Sharks and Barracuda probably ended uh, earlier than anybody really wanted it to. Uh, so to have it back here finally uh, is very exciting. Obviously, I mean, we're looking over the roster here. There's lots of exciting names here on this list that fans should keep an eye on this week. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are here who with the Barracuda last year. There's a lot of faces that you'll see this upcoming season that are here as well. Um, there's 46 total players here this week, 28 forwards, 13 defense, and five goalies. Eight of the forwards are trial guys. Six of the defense are trial guys. So we've seen in the past guys come in that we didn't know much about, and all of a sudden they've got themselves a contract, and you look down the road, and, and Alexander True is a guy who quickly comes to mind, uh, Yosef Kornosh, who made impacts with the Barracuda and you know are now guys at the top of the list in terms of Sharks' prospects. The Sharks continue to kind of have to find ways to fill their prospect pool, being the fact that they always seem to be picking so 
late. They used a lot of those draft picks to acquire the talents of an Evander Kane or a, even an Eric Carlson. So you've got to find creative ways to acquire talent. They've done that in the free agent pool, but they've also done it by moving up and down in the draft as well. There's a lot of familiar faces, Joe, that we've seen over the mm-hmm. week. A Jaden Holmgox, a Jeff Reveal, an Evan Weinger, Thomas Gregoire, Keaton Middleton, Joseph Kornosh, guys that you know we saw last year on a full-time basis, and then a handful of guys we've seen in Barracuda uniforms as well that we should see this year on a pretty consistent basis as well. And that's like a Joachim Blickfeld, even a Sasha Shemilevsky and Ivan Shikovich. So Noah some guys Gregor. people know Gregor, even um, you know, Amaro Ferraro we haven't seen yet, but a lot of you know hype around that guy being a second round pick a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to see maybe a little bit of what is to come for the Barracuda in the upcoming season. Yeah, there's like we said, there's a lot to be excited about. Those obviously we know the guys like VL and Weinger and Middleton. We saw them for a full year. We really know what they bring to the table. And I think for a guy like Ivan Chakovich, we've had a pretty good sample size, although it's been the end of two straight seasons. I, I mean, I think we know what we're going to get with him. Uh, he's obviously a very skilled player. Probably has a little bit of the discipline side of his game. He's got to work on a little bit. Take some some dumb penalties at times, but that's going to happen. At, with anybody at any age, but you kind of work through that. But he's got a lot of talent. Shemilevsky, I'm excited about. Obviously, he's a guy who we didn't see last year, but we saw the year before. Lots of talent, lots of potential. Uh, his team kind of just lit the world on fire uh, during the OHL playoffs this year. But there are a couple other guys, too, like you said. Uh, I mean, I watched quickly yesterday while they are doing some skill work, and this guy, Mario Ferraro, he's a UMass guy, so I'm a little biased on that. But he's got a motor that a lot of other guys in the ice did not have. He moves quicker, his feet move quick, he skates hard, he seems like a guy, and he fired a few pucks that goalies had no chance of stopping. So it's a guy who's certainly uh, somebody you get excited about. Obviously, he didn't have a massive point production last year playing for the top one of the top college hockey teams in the country, Uh, but he did the year before, so maybe just took a little bit of a step back. But I'm excited to see how he translates to the program, and who knows with what happens, you know, with the Sharks and their top six, top seven, but. He could be a guy that potentially pushes for a seventh uh, defenseman spot. Yeah, I, and if I he agree. Has a good camp. Yeah, that's the interesting part too. I, I I couldn't agree more. I watched him in practice. I mean, the guy has a motor like I've never seen. He's going 110 mm-hmm. miles per hour the entire time. This is development camp, and that's what they said when they drafted him too. That was one yep. of the big reasons why they took him so high yep. because his motor was nonstop. And if you if you haven't heard it yet, I, I do recommend to do so. Go to sjsharks.com. But Tank Talk, the official podcast for the Sharks, done by Dan Ruzanowski, of course, the radio broadcaster for the Sharks. He talks to. Kale McCarr during that series in which the Sharks played the Colorado Avalanche. McCarr was the talk of the NHL. Mm-hmm. Of course, a guy who came from UMass, finished up his collegiate career, stepped in immediately into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and people I mean, are just talking glowingly about the future of this kid because it seemed like it was not too big. It was as big of a stage as they're going to get in pro hockey. Well, his defensive partner at UMass was Mario Ferraro, and he had glowing words to say about him and said, no one's going to outwork this guy. The energy he brought to the rink every single day was contagious, and that's a reason why he wore a letter last year um, at UMass and you see it just in a very small sample yeah. size. I mean, yeah. it was fun to watch. I was just watching it yeah. because the energy is incredible. I mean, simple drills. And most guys are kind of going through, you know, the motions and just kind of making sure they don't lose the puck. I mean, this guy's nonstop, uh, go, go, go. And it's, you know, exciting to see a guy bringing that type of intensity. And it's perfect because it's, it's exactly what you want to see out of a young kid, right? You want him to come in and give that effort because he's going to push everybody else to be better. This is a guy who's going to come in. Let's say he ends up with the Barracuda. He's immediately going to slot, it, slot into a top four role. So he's going to push guys like Nick D. Simone, uh, Kyle Wood, who just got qualified, guys like that. He's going to push them to be better or else 
they're going to have to take a backseat to this kid. So it is exciting. And I, I mean, we've seen, I've sent a couple of videos to you because as we're looking for ideas for content throughout the year, he's got a lot of personality. He's a kid. He just likes to have fun. He's not afraid to, you know, talk with guys in the locker room, make some jokes. So he's a guy who's got a lot of personalities. You know, and like you said, he's a leadership guy too, having worn a letter uh, for what I think was the top college hockey program <laughs> in the country this year. But hey, uh, It'd you know be hard happens. to argue that. I mean, the way they, their season came together is unfortunate. The way it ended, they yeah. kind of ran into a bit of a buzzsaw at the end, at least an experienced team at, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about the future for this kid. And I mean, we're a little bit selfish in terms of personalities because, you know, not only are we around these guys all the time, we're really looking for different ways that sure. we can you know, showcase those yep. personalities. Some guys are easier to crack than others, but certainly an exciting player on the ice and off the ice and what is to come. Um, we had some news yesterday from the San Jose Sharks. Qualifying offer is always kind of an interesting um, situation because it gives you an idea on who the club wants to resign, wants to retain, and who they're letting walk, essentially. And, and it's and it's good to preface this because I, I had this conversation last night with – I ended up at the San Jose Giants game, ran to some season ticket holders, had a conversation with them about it because obviously this was the big talk of the day. Just because somebody doesn't get qualified does not eliminate them from potentially coming back to the organization. It's more so like the, the qualifying offers, it comes with a, a certain price tag and sometimes those may be higher than what people expect and – some guys may not have that NHL with a qualifying offer comes in an NHL contract and you only have certain amount that you can have for an NHL club. So maybe they don't feel that guys are worth the NHL contract, but could come back on an AHL deal. So there's lots of options. Doesn't necessarily write them off, but, um, makes it a little bit less likely. Yeah, it does. So let's go over the list quickly and guys who were qualified. So that means the Sharks, essentially, they are restricted free agents, meaning the Sharks have the first opportunity to try to re-sign them by qualifying. There's a slotted amount of money for certain players. So the guys are Nick Simone, of course, with the Barracuda last year, had a great season on the back end. Dylan Gambrello was up and down. Kevin LeBanc, who was obviously up all year, had a great playoffs. Maxime Latunov, a guy who will be coming back, uh, at least uh, the Sharks qualified him. A guy they invest a lot in a couple years ago on a draft day trade was a second-round pick of the St. Louis Blues originally, then went to Arizona and was acquired by San Jose. Of course, Timo Meyer, superstar, 30 goals. He was qualified. Antti Suomela, interesting only by the fact that he was such a highly touted free agent a season ago, a guy they want to retain and see if he can continue to make some leaps in his game. I think there was some adjustment certainly for him. He came originally and played a handful of games with the Sharks, had some real brilliant goals, and then came down to the Barracuda. To struggled at times to find a consistent offensive game, but I think it's certainly there. And, and I think that's flashed, why flashed. that's right. And I think that's why, hey, we put so much of an investment in last year, took a lot to get him here. We're going to qualify him. Let's bring him back for another year. And then Kyle Wood rounds it out on the back end, a guy the Sharks uh, put on that list as well. So Kyle Wood, of course, acquired um, in that trade last year with Adam Haluka. You sent me a message yesterday because Haluka, of course, just go off uh, track a bit. He was traded Arizona. Again. Then he was acquired by Nashville. The trade deadline and then the draft was traded from Nashville to New Jersey. Now, he hasn't played in the NHL yet, but just kind of give you an idea on a former Sharks draft pick on where his journey has gone. Four teams now in less than two years. So um, we wish Luke, of course, the best. But Kyle Wood, that's a good sign for the Sharks. I think that's a positive thing. You qualify Kyle Wood, that means you probably feel like, you know, you liked the way he played last year and you kind of look at it from a, outside perspective i think the sharks probably won that trade yeah being that he's still in the organization yeah 
I mean, the guys they qualified, I don't think there were many surprises on that list. I think it's kind of everybody expected. I'll be honest, Kyle Woods was a guy that kind of, kind of slipped my mind as an RFA, uh, but I'm glad he's coming back. One, because he's more of a, at this point in his career, he's been around for a bit. He's, I wouldn't say he's a veteran because he's not an older veteran, but he's been around the professional game for a bit. And with, still with a lot of young guys who we're going to keep having year over year, it's nice to have some guys like that in your locker room. I would look at Nick DeSimone the same way. He's going to be someone that gets leaned on a bit as, as a veteran leader, especially with a guy like Ferraro coming in or guys like Thomas Gregoire, uh, Keaton Middleton, guys who are still kind of trying to find their groove as a professional. Those guys are going to help transition them into being pros. Uh, obviously, Gambrell was a no-brainer. Latunov is a guy who's similar to Suomela. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think they want to at least give him another year to see if they can break that out. Uh, and then obviously from there you make those decisions. But then on the NHL side, um, and I put Gambrell on the NHL side because I, I think he should be an NHL regular, but him, LeBanc, and Timo. Timo, obviously, these are these are guys you want to, especially with, I think Timo's, to me, if I'm, if I'm Doug Wilson, I think Timo's priority number one at this point because if you let him get to, the you know, restricted free agency on July 1, there's a great chance somebody puts on an offer sheet that we're going to be unable to match given what our salary cap situation yep. is. So it was important to to yeah. at least get this out and then keep those talks going. Yeah. Uh, and I think LeBanc's kind of in the same boat, uh, but Timo is like the big the big push, I think. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, but it's just so fascinating with this Mitch Marner stuff. If you haven't been following, of course, Mitch Marner in the same draft class as Timo Meyer. Mm -hmm. There's talks that he wants to make as much money as his teammate Austin Matthews. Don't blame him because of the way he's played, but that's going to affect the entire NHL, and it's going to affect Timo Meyer as well because yeah. both players were top 10 picks in that draft. Timo, you know, you've seen his career take a quick, you know, ascension. He is yeah. going up quickly as an elite young player in the National Hockey League. That's a no-brainer, of course. You know, you throw out the qualifying offer, like you said, gives you an opportunity to try to negotiate. Hopefully you get a deal done that doesn't completely kind of inhibit you from signing other guys. Of course, right. there's guys on the list that we've, you know, everybody knows. Joe Pavelski, Kevin LeBanc, Timo Meyer, the big guys. Now that you've got Eric Carlson, of course, Joe Thornton as well. What is he going to come back? So there's mm -hmm. a lot of talks, uh, of course, in the world of Sharks. Guys not qualified by the San Jose Sharks. Mike Brodzinski, not a total surprise, spent all of last year um, beside a, a game or two, I believe he played yeah, a game he's here or for two a short with, period of with time. the Barracuda. So he was, was not qualified. Rourke Chartier, um, just the way his career, you know, has gone. Started the year with the Sharks, another guy. Injuries, of course, have been, you know, kind of the story of his career. Doesn't take away from the fact he could be a guy they bring back. And that's, so that kind of brings me to that point. Like, here's the, and again, disclaimer, we know nothing we know about nothing. the inner workings of this. But the way, like, I would envision it, if it were my decision to make, Rourke's had injury issues. That's, that hasn't been much of a, a secret or a surprise. I think when he plays, he's phenomenal. He produces very well. He's very strong on the puck. He's one of your best face-off guys. He puts up points. He played well for the Sharks when he made his debut and, and was on the fourth line for them. He's a guy who could compete for a fourth-line role, but he's got to stay healthy. And at this point, having been injured for so long and having missed so much time over these past couple of years, is it worth using up one of those you know, 50 NHL contract spots that the Sharks have I don't know, but could he sign back on an AHL deal and say, hey, if you – like a one-year thing and say, hey, if you stay healthy for the full year, we can you know, revisit yeah. an NHL deal? It's certainly possible. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a good point. 
Um, still a lot to be decided. A lot of these guys, but Rourke Strachey at this point was not given a qualifying offer. Cody Donahue wasn't given one as well. If you remember, Donahue was also a part of he one was, of those trades with Ottawa. He came, uh, he was with the Bergman, Bergman trade. trade, I believe so. Yeah. So he is another guy who spent all of last year in the ECHL. Um, quick note before, and we'll, we'll touch on it um, following the list, but of course, Francis Perron, he yes. was sent... Uh, to Vancouver. to Vancouver during the draft. We'll touch on Prana just a minute. Let me go down the list and continue here. So Kevin Fitzgerald, a little bit of a surprise, I thought, just by the way he finished the season. Um, and I thought there were some, certainly some bright spots to his game. Again, another guy that maybe they consider bringing mm-hmm. back on an American Hockey League deal, but he wasn't qualified. John Martin, not qualified as well. Had a breakout year last year. Um, three seasons in San Jose. I mean, again, just because of, I think, simply with all the forwards coming in, not a surprise that uh, he wasn't qualified. Um, Alex Shaneborn, another guy who spent all of last year down in the ECHL, was not qualified. And then he rounded out with Joachim Ryan, a guy, you know, up the NHL level. We had a couple years ago, was tremendous at the AHL level. Of course, had a great year two years ago, was in and out this past year. Um, there were some question marks on what his situation was going to be. Not qualified, again, does not mean that he will not yeah. be brought back. But um, played in the playoffs for the Sharks. Um, obviously, uh, wasn't in as much as, as mm-hmm. he was the year before, but another guy not qualified. So Yeah, you know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen with any of these guys. It's, you know, come July 1st, it's a bit of a frenzy, uh, especially on the NHL side, usually on the AHL side. Uh, you see signings places, but with us – in San Jose, I feel like the AHL signings kind of happen later in the in the free agency process. So you never know uh, who gets locked up and, and who doesn't, but certainly something to keep an eye on, especially some of these names on this list, because I, I, they're all going to find jobs somewhere. They can all play the game, and some of them should find NHL contracts. It's just a matter of where they end up. Yep, it's we will see, and July 1st is certainly going to be very, very interesting. I mean, I said to Ruzi the other day, and – um, I said, this has got to be one of the most intriguing July 1st in franchise history. You get Eric Carlson locked up, kind of takes away a little bit from the intrigue. And um, There's a lot of things to consider, too, because it's not just the cap situation you're in this year, but you got to start looking forward a little bit because there is going to be an expansion draft that comes up in the next couple of years. CBA is coming up, so that's a whole situation, too. And there lots of there's there's there are a lot of things you need to to take a look at when you're Doug. So it's not as easy as just saying, oh, we've got X amount of dollars in cap space, and how can we properly use this? I mean, you still got guys. Paul Martin's contract is still on our books. Is that something that can be moved for somebody who needs to hit the cap floor for a guy who's retired and have somebody else pay that salary? So that could be a possibility. You know, it's there's and there's still guys on the roster who could you know move around a little bit too. So. I don't. I, I still think there's some some waves that are going to happen. Some a couple moves still may be made, but I have no idea what they are. But something could still be down the pipeline. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, things happen in a in a very quick hurry. We were just last week in Charlotte for the business meetings, and in the one week we were out of town, we saw Eric Carlson get signed and Justin Braun get traded, and you went mm-hmm. from having no second rounder and nothing within the first you know couple rounds to having eventually two second rounders. So things can happen in a hurry. Um, well, you know. the, the Perron thing. I mean, I was, sitting, I was sitting yep. there. I mean, I, I was watching the draft uh, and for whatever reason just wasn't paying attention to that area in the draft. And I got a message from my cousin who we spoke to a couple months back uh, who's the broadcaster in Utica. And he's like, what can you tell me about Perron? And I was like, 
what do you mean? And he's like, well, we just traded for him. And I, I didn't know. And then I went and looked and saw that it kind of came through. So, um, yeah, thing, things happen in the blink of an eye. Yeah, they, they certainly do. And, um, you know, we were uh, around Francis all season long, you know, came in, of course, mm-hmm. on the, the trade with Eric Carlson. Tremendous start to the season. Ended up finishing with 47 points. Was an yeah. all-star for the team. Um, great guy. It, it sucks to see guys go. It's yeah. just it's just the nature of the business. But we wish him nothing nothing but the best. And um, you know, from our standpoint, I, you know, I, I think you probably could agree. We we thank him for his service. For you know, and I mean, for he, everything. He, he, he and, did. He came on, talked to us on the podcast. We did the video at their at their house. I mean, he's just an all around. He's a good guy to be yep. around. And from a hockey standpoint, I think there's a lot of potential there. He's got a lot that he can work with. I mean, we saw what happened the first half of the year. Kind of dipped off a little bit in the second half, but if he learns to continue to mold and, and find that high motor and play inside the dots a little bit more, there's he's going to break in and get a shot in the NHL eventually. So it'll be interesting to kind of follow him as he you know progresses with the Canucks organization. But, yeah, we wish him the best of luck. Yeah, and it goes back to, to these guys that were qualified, guys that probably you know may return or not. There's a lot of young young players coming into the organization in a hurry and you know they're going to compete for jobs and for the brass I think it's about giving them the best look and another another piece of it too and one of the big reasons I know that they uh, I saw Doug Wilson Jr. had mentioned about the Perron trade a big reason why they they traded him is because he was an RFA but if they had signed him he was gonna have to clear waivers and they didn't think that they didn't feel that he was going to make the NHL roster this year. So had he would have had to clear waivers, he would have been claimed for nothing. So you could see, look at a couple other guys in this list, and they could fall into that same boat where maybe they won't make the NHL roster, but they got to clear waivers, then they get let go for nothing. You know, so it's still have a chance to bring those guys back and and not lose them through the waiver system. Yep, that's a great point. Try to get some value where you can, and uh, again for Perron, best of luck uh, moving over to the Vancouver organization. You mentioned your cousin; he's the voice of the Utica Comets. We spoke to him earlier uh, in the season um, because of another connection uh, mm-hmm. with Utica as well. So uh, he'll he'll get a good player and and a good guy. So um, again, best of luck to Francis Perron. Um, Again, development camp is going on this week. We'll have the prospect scrimmage on Friday um, at SAP Center. You can go to sjsharks.com to get your tickets for that. Um, it'll be fun to have some hockey back, oh, have yeah. the ice back back in the uh, in the tank. So you'll see the, you know, the future of the San Jose Sharks right before your eyes in the middle of the summer. So always fun when we have that. You got, uh, I mean, let's roll through this roster a little bit and see, uh, you know, who who are you trying to keep an eye on? Obviously, let's, let's exclude the guys who we have seen before uh, for the most part. I mean, I don't think we need to talk about the guys who spent the whole year here last year. Um, but there are definitely some guys on the list who, who are intriguing, including some of the draft picks from this year. But there are some guys who are here on a, on a tryout basis who, uh, who catch your eye as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of put your, your, your fingertips on exactly who you know, the brass really, really likes and who they're really considering in terms of maybe bringing out uh, and bringing on a board in terms of a contract. But there's a lot of guys that are in the mix. I mean, just looking at the guys who are coming in who, you know, have spent – I put a list together of guys who played at least one game in their career with the Barracuda here mm-hmm. for development camp. So you can look at a Yoakum Blickfeld. Went back as an overager last year with Portland. Absolutely lit it up. Made huge strides in his game. He's a guy who could be with the Barracuda. I mean, I almost expect him to be with 
be sure. the Barracuda, at least compete for a job. So Blickfeld is a guy you certainly are keeping your eye on. Of course, the Ivan Djokovic's, we expect him to be the Sasha Chambolevskis. We saw them light it up two years ago. Djokovic joined the Barracuda again this year, had a nice little stretch at the end of the year. Noah Greger is a guy who I kind of look at as kind of a Blickfeld type of guy. Went back to junior as a little bit of an older guy and put together a tremendous year. Got to the Memorial Cup final. And it was uh, one of their best players. One of their when best players. Well, so. I mean, they were talking on NHL Network when I was watching the broadcast. Uh, you know, as a guy that, you know, was really a standout type of player. So he was a huge piece of his team in Prince Albert in the WHL. Um, another guy, as you, as you look at, guys that may not be with the Barracuda, but spent a little bit of time, and Ivan Kozrenkov, who played a game last year, they signed him um, in the early stages of the season, spent most of last year in Worcester in the ECHL. Vladislav Kotkov, another guy who was signed out of development camp last year, a big body, six foot four Russian kid. Um, I expect him to probably go back to junior Chikutami of the Quebec Major Junior League, so we'll see about that. Uh, Marcus Vela, a guy they signed at the end of the year. He was a draft pick of the Sharks, spent uh, his senior season at New Hampshire last year before joining the Barracuda at the end of the year. Played a fourth-line role, but picked up yeah. some points. Big body, yeah. you know, tough physical player. So another guy I'm keeping an eye on. Of course, the regulars, the VLs, the Weingers, the Gregoires, the Keaton Middletons, Joseph Kornosh, those are the guys we expect to be back. But Ryan Merkley's here, first-round pick of the Sharks a couple years ago. We saw him at the end of the year, certainly mm-hmm. a slick-moving, puck-moving style defenseman. Um, we'll keep our eye on all week. And, and that kind of rounds out my list in terms of guys I'm really keeping an eye on. But there's always guys that come in here that you don't know anything about and they mm-hmm. end up in, impressing and, and you know sometimes earning themselves a contract. Yeah, there are some guys, I mean, that, that I, I look at here and, and I'm not even going to try to say some of these names because I, I don't want to butcher them and offend anybody, but there's a... Seems like this year there's a, a strong uh, Russian contingent here, and there are a couple guys who have had some pretty good seasons. Uh, the first guy on the roster, Yaroslav Alexiev, that was an easy one for me to say, so I'll go with that. Smaller guy, he's only listed at five nine, but he played in the queue at at Bay Como, and he had seventy three points in sixty five games. So this could be somebody who maybe shines a little bit, and they keep an eye on, you know, similar to what they did with Kakov last year. Um, some of these, the draft picks from this year, I think you keep an eye on uh, those those two second round picks, Hamilik and Niazev, 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 Niazev. All right, <laughs> we'll we're, gonna, we're gonna work this on those. Very, we're right. gonna work on those. But yeah. those are two guys. Obviously, you draft somebody in the second round. I think you're expecting a lot out of those guys. Uh, obviously, Hamilik plays in Seattle uh, currently, where uh, Royce. Roy Somers' son is a, is a coach, so they have lots of connections there. He played with Alexander True uh, in Seattle the year that they won the Memorial Cup. Uh, so there, there's some connections there, so he's somebody to keep an eye on. A guy like Scott Reedy, he was a, a higher pick a couple years ago for the Sharks as well. Jacob McGrew, he's a guy who I thought looked great last year during uh, development camp, went back to juniors. I would expect he probably goes back to juniors again this year, uh, but he's somebody to keep an eye on. And then... Uh, Personally, I'm keeping an eye on John Leonard, another UMass guy uh, who's got great scoring touch. Uh, he's going to probably go back to school for, for his, I believe it would be his sophomore or junior season. Uh, I would expect he wears a letter for them as well uh, and hopefully keeps that program going in the right direction. So he's somebody I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch too. Yeah, I've seen Leonard uh, flash a little bit 
over the, you know, I saw him yesterday. I was watching all the practices uh, yesterday. And I, he was a guy that stood out, um, certainly. You notice a trend, though, as uh, you mentioned, uh, Alexiev is your first guy on that list, a Bay Como guy. So he was a teammate to Ivan Djokovic. It, it makes sense, though. You've got mm-hmm. scouts looking at your prospects. You're and that's finding other these guys. other guys. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you go down the list, there's a, there's a common thread. Even the Sharks' uh, first pick in the second round, uh, Niazev, as we, as we mentioned, you know, he's a guy that played in Chikutami. So he's a guy that played with Vladislav Kotkov, another, mm-hmm. you know, Sharks prospect. So another, there's connections. Another thing, too, to keep an eye on. So there's also, I mean, obviously these guys are here on tryouts, but there's a lot of guys, too, who are here who are signed as free agents. You're, you're, you're Lean Bergman. You're, um, who else? Joel Kelman's on this list. Daniel Yurtekin. Uh, three guys who are all signed as free agents here at the end of the season who are likely going to compete for some jobs. They had, you know, played in the KHL or they played over in, in Sweden or Germany. These guys uh, could end up, you know, you, guys you could see on the Barracuda roster as well. And then the goaltending-wise, Andrew Shortridge is a guy who I think is going to be in the mix this year. Obviously, he finished the year with us last year, uh, but he's someone who I would expect to compete for a job with both the Sharks and the Barracuda. Yeah, and down the line, Zachary Emon, who had a, mm-hmm. yeah, a trem- tremendous year last year in the Quebec League. He went 24-0-1. Um, didn't even play in the playoffs. It just gives you an idea of their goaltending depth because they had another guy essentially in front of him. But um, they do expect him to be the number one there in the upcoming season. But another guy you certainly want to keep your eye on. A couple it. Arizona State guys. Got some Quinnipiac guys. Uh, lots of guys, you know, who who have connections. Obviously, the Quinnipiac uh, having Carlos Kutske having drafted him out of Quinnipiac. I think it opens the door to look at a couple other guys. Um, but then the, the two Arizona State guys, you get a forward and a defenseman, I believe. Brothers. Uh, one of them was a captain for Arizona State this past season. I'm not sure which one, uh, but uh, pretty cool to see those guys, Arizona State, with that program just really putting themselves on the map. Uh, I saw somebody tweeted something the other day. They, seven or eight guys off that team are all yeah. attending development. Yep. I, looked, cool. I, I looked it up once I saw the ASU guys and said, I wonder how many guys from that team, because they had a pretty good team last year, are at development camps. And yeah, there's about seven or eight of them got yeah. invites. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun week. I mean, I, I love this because it brings back hockey. Everybody's kind of around. You get all the scouts in town, and the upper management is around, and everybody's, you know, happy-go-lucky. And I think for a lot of these young guys, especially if you're a tryout guy, I mean, how cool is that? You're basically in an NHL locker room, and you're wearing the sweater, mm-hmm. and you're getting an opportunity to impress in front of the brass. What an opportunity for a young player. Yeah. So you can just tell for a lot of these young guys that, you know, they're they're wide-eyed and, and looking around. You know, it's it's one an experience for them. So it's fun to see that, and the energy uh, is is pretty good because everybody's in the off-season, and they're like, hey, we're going to play a little hockey mm-hmm. in the summer. And, and after this week, for a lot of the players, it's about going back home and beginning your training regimen, yeah, enjoying the summer a little bit. They'll I, get their training regimens from Mike Potenza, and, and they'll get all their nutritional stuff, and it'll be you know going back, making sure you stay in shape so you don't come back behind the eight ball. and. A good handful of these guys you're going to see back for the rookie showcase, which I believe this year is in Anaheim. So uh, you're going to see a lot of those those guys playing in those games, and that's where guys like Merkley and Jake McGrew shine last year. Uh, so you never know who's going to you know end up coming out of the woodwork there to to really make a name for themselves. Yeah, I, I saw Jaden Holbrooks for just a moment. I asked him how his summer was, and he's like, it "Hasn't really started. Doesn't really start until development camp is over." Mm-hmm. So again, some of these guys can maybe get away from the game a little bit after this week. But you do want to stay in shape. You don't want to come into dev camp because right. it's a pretty grueling week. I mean, these yeah. guys were going full tilt yesterday in oh, practice. It's not they, 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 they show up at eight and they don't leave till about four o'clock. Yeah. So it's much longer than a normal day. Obviously, they you know they have media trainings and stuff like that. In the past, they've show the guys how to cook and, and shop properly. A lot of teams do some different things, but 
Uh, yeah, they, they keep these guys busy for sure. But we've seen in the past guys who, who have shown up and they've been behind the eight ball when training camp comes around in the fall. And sometimes it sets you back and it's tough to recover from. So you definitely don't want to, you know, come back you know, out of shape or, or in a lesser position than you were in the middle of the summer. Well, we've been kind of waiting for the week to get an opportunity to talk to some of these guys. So I guess without further ado, we're going to throw it to the locker room because we had a chance following uh, practice today to talk to a few of the guys and just kind of get their thoughts on what uh, the whole week is about, what they're trying to soak in and, and how their summers are going. Um, so without further ado, we'll send it to the uh, Sharks locker room. First things first, pronounce your name. Joachim Blickfeld. Joachim Blickfeld, yeah. thank you. Um, it was a breakout season for you. Uh, can you just talk about your year in general and just uh, where you kind of grew the most this year? I was obviously disappointed getting set back. Um, but after two or three weeks, I decided you know, to work on everything I need to work on. And I did that, and everything went my way this year. And um, I had a lot of fun, that's for sure. What do you think uh, you need to uh, work on to you know, get to uh, the next level? Um, strength and working without the puck, uh, go get pucks and, and yeah, like I said, working working without the puck. And uh, how well do you know Alexander True? I know him well. We we've been uh, on the same national team yeah. since we were really young, so uh, I know him pretty good. It's not a common that there's a you know a couple of Danes on the same team in the NHL, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully we're gonna live together next year, so uh, oh, really? that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Also, he gives you an idea of what what you have to go through at the American Hockey League level as well. Have you talked much about that? Uh, a little bit. Normally when we talk, we only talk like uh, how's everything is up and what's going on in our lives. But uh, obviously he said a little bit to me and how hard it is and how strong guys are compared to the league we both played in uh, a couple years ago. Well, also the fact you have to survive through a season too, and that's, that's the other factor. What have you done with your training? What are you doing with your training this summer to help you get to that point? Um, right now I'm just working on getting a, a lot stronger, uh, faster, and and working on the, the small things so you don't get injured or over the season. Growing up where you grew up and then playing in the league you played in, did you have any favorite hockey players growing up? Um, I always liked Alexander Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby. Um, right now I like to watch uh, Timo and, and, and uh, McDavid. Those are the two players I like to watch. You, made, you mentioned just being disappointed about having to go back to junior. What did you learn from that short stint with the Barracuda at the end of uh, the year two years ago? Uh, just uh, how much stronger guys are. Uh, I would say obviously they skate faster, but it, it's more the, the passing, how more correct they are in the tapes. And, and yeah, the big factor is, uh, you know, you're playing against men, so they're a lot stronger than in, in junior for sure. Just like uh, you had a breakout season, uh, Alex had a breakout season with the Barracuda. So can you say if you, I guess, learned anything from him watching him and that sort of thing this season, you know, from a distance? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, he obviously, I think he led the team in, in, in points or something. Uh, hopefully he gets an opportunity soon. Uh, he, uh, I know, I watched a couple of games and he's doing really good. And, uh, you know, he's just been saying to me, uh, play as you can and, you know, have fun with it and everything will be, uh, be fine.
notes there from the WHL Player of the Year, Joachim Blickfeld, hoping to come to San Jose this training camp and either compete for an NHL job or certainly try to make the Barracuda roster. We also spoke to second-round draft selection from a couple years ago, Mario Ferraro. He signed an entry-level deal this offseason at a UMass, meaning he'll turn pro. He had some good thoughts as well on what he's accomplished and what he hopes to accomplish moving forward. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different in, in the fact that I, I think I come here with a little bit more experience and, and ready to learn. Um, you know, I see myself more as a leader uh, in one of these camps, uh, just looking at all the guys who are here for the first time. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing in that you're coming here to learn, you're coming here to get better and take in as much as you can from all the coaches and staff. And it's a great opportunity to, to be a sponge and absorb as much information as you can. So uh, that's what I'm continuing to do because I still got stuff to work on and, and to improve. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's another year of experience, and I'm having fun so far. Did you watch much of the Sharks Avalanche series at all? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, I could guess why you're asking me that question. But, um, no, I definitely watch it. I got to support uh, not only the team I was drafted by, but uh, my teammate, Kill McCart, and friend, uh, uh, and friend as well. So uh, it was awesome to see, see how successful he was. Um, we beat him in, in Game 7. That was unfortunate for him. But, uh, no, he, he did really well, and I'm proud of him. And it's it's no surprise he deserves it. Did you, um, did you talk to him at all during the playoffs? Uh, during, I think he was dialed in, so I probably didn't talk to him as much. But after. I asked him a few questions like how it went and stuff and he's having a great time I'm sure obviously and and uh, it's like like I said like we're not surprised that he's there like he's having a great time like he deserves it and uh, we're really proud to see how see how well he's doing because he's representing uh, not only uh, himself but uh, UMass and, and that whole whole uh, organization so it's cool. How does that help watching a teammate do well and exceed from afar even though you're not there playing with him what what can what can you take from that? Yeah just uh, it, it builds some confidence uh, in my Myself, and I'm sure a lot of my former teammates like John Leonard who's at this camp as well just because you see how a player that we compete against every day in practice and compete with is doing really well it says hey maybe maybe I can 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 be that guy as well I can play it play at the next level so it builds that confidence and it's 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 a nice nice thing to see how well he's doing okay I'm saying he's the hard, you're the hardest worker he's ever played, that kind of thing I mean how does that come from? I mean, as far as have you had people sort of doubt you before? I mean, is this part of that that work? Where's that work ethic might come from? Um, well, first of all, thank you, Kale, for, for those those kind words. Uh, I'm not surprised he's a really nice kid, so I appreciate that. But. Um, no, that's just been uh, uh, my identity, I think, as a player uh, growing up, is to just give it all I can. Um, when I was at UMass, we kind of created, like, keywords for ourselves and, and what gets us going in our identity, and, and mine was just hard work pays off. Uh, I just try to go out there and give it 110%, and uh, I know that I'll get better and improve, and that's what i got to do. So, uh, yeah, that's just my mindset. That's, that's how I've been. How excited are you for, for main camp to be here with guys like Burns, Carlson, Classic? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't gone to one of those yet because I was a college guy, obviously, so I'm really excited to experience that. Um, at first, when I came in here for the first time, for the first year, I was learning from all the, the older guys over here. And then now that I get to go to main camp, I'm learning from, from NHL players, and that's 
that's a really cool thing um, to be able to learn from players that I look, not only um, want to play with but look up to uh, growing up as a hockey player. So Brett Burns, Eric Carlson, and even all the forwards on the team, Pavelski and, and Couture. So um, it's a really cool experience, and I'm really excited to be, to be able to, to compete, hopefully, uh, alongside them. But uh, i got some ways to go to, to work up to that, but I'm excited. Not many guys can jump straight from college straight to the NHL. I mean, obviously, Kale's especially a bigger winner. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if there are openings, I mean, how do you kind of feel about going in and maybe trying to earn a spot here? Yeah, I just try to uh, try not to look into the future. Um, I mean, I've been playing hockey for, for many, many years, and uh, I try to live in the now. Uh, and what I have to do right now to get to that point, um, I hold myself to a high standard. And so uh, I'm competing every day to, to try and make that NHL team. Um, if i got to take a little steps along the way, I'm willing to do so. I mean, I've been doing that for a long time, and I'm not going to give up now. So, um, yeah, whatever happens, happens. But my mindset is just to, to go out there and compete. And uh, if I get that opportunity, i got to capitalize on it. Um, that's what life's about. That's what hockey's about. It's a sport. It's a game of hockey. So uh, you get those opportunities. you got to do the best you can, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay, sorry. It wasn't super physical out there, but, you know, you saw you kind of lay the body a little bit. So, so you, want to, you want to show these guys that you, know, you can play that style along with some other, some other attributes or... Yeah, I mean, uh, that's just uh, a part of my game I think I, I've always bring, uh, brought to, to to the game. Um, I like to be physical, I like to compete, and uh, I feel like God is going out uh, out there a little bit. You know, we were, we were down to nothing, but I mean, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just a scrimmage, but uh, you got to compete. Uh, that's what we're here for. We're in development camp. We're trying to get better, and like I said, I, I view myself as a leader of one of these camps, and to set an example, I just want to want to give it my all and then try to do the best I can. So, but physicality is definitely something that that I want to prove I can, I can be able to compete with at the next level because size is a big thing; it's a big factor, and and um, I want to show that out there. So we just heard from Ferraro. Now we'll move on to former Sharks first round draft pick Ryan Merkley. Yeah, it's nice. It's more comfortable for sure. I know what to expect. I know the guys. So it's more comfortable. I mean, it's easier adjustment. You're coming in your first year, you're nervous, you don't know what to expect, how hard it is, what the routine is, but yeah, it certainly feels good to be in here for the second time. How did you feel about your year in junior? Obviously, you started in Guelph and moved to Peterborough. How did you feel about the year? I thought I had a good start, I mean, in Guelph. I mean, I had good numbers there. I thought I played well. I mean, tough adjustment going to Peterborough to start there. I mean, I thought I picked it up near the end there, but I mean, could have been better. I mean, I had some goods and I mean, positives and negatives for sure. One of the things about being traded is that it's the unexpected, right? And that's something you have to prepare for as a pro. Not that teams are going to trade you, but that you have to expect to have a role maybe that you don't uh, that you didn't think you were going to have, or you have to play four games in five days, etc. What, what do you think that that did for you to improve your character, your, your yourself as a person? It was a big curveball. Right? I was in the middle of my pregame nap, and we were it was Guelph versus Peterborough that night too, so it was a big change. Like it's a big change up going to the other side there, but I mean. Yeah, it teaches you a lot of stuff, right? You're going into a new room, new coaching staff. I mean, it's a big adjustment. I mean, I didn't know many guys on Peterborough before that, nor the coaching staff. So, I mean, it's different for sure. What was the message from the Sharks when they sent you back down to the NHL? I think it evolved my game, trying to play in all situations, right? I know offensively I'm better in that area than the defensive game. So, I mean, to work on that, I mean, I play against the top guys defensively in the OHL, right? So, I want to shut those guys down. Your best. When you wake up from the nap, you just walk over to the other room and put on uniform. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've never been traded to. <laughs> no, I didn't play that night. So I mean, I mean the coaching staff and GM came over to my billet house, so it was certainly different. I mean, I had to walk upstairs, right, napping, tell my billets to stop making the pregame. <laughs> it's a bit weird, yeah. And what did you take away from your uh, stint with uh, the Barracuda at the end of the season? You know, it's obviously a big jump from the 
OHL to the AHL. Yeah, it was a big jump for sure. I mean, I think it's a more mature game. I mean, no one's cheating. I mean, it's hard to create offense there, but I mean, it was good. I mean, you play against older, stronger players, I thought it was good for my development. Yeah. Good. How do you kind of feel about, you know, coming to Maine? Yeah, you know, obviously the goal is to try to make a team. Yeah, I'll be excited to go into camp again. I mean, we working out, skating, I mean, four times a week, running before and early in the mornings, but we'll see. Hopefully I'm ready. Would you be okay going back to junior for a year? Or how would you kind of reverse things? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's out of my control. I'm obviously going to try my best to make the squad, try to get games in for sure. I mean, that's the goal. Everyone wants to play at the next level, but I mean, if I go back to junior, then I just got to play and get better for the next year, right? And uh, looking over just the France over your season, what do you think you've uh, matured the most uh, on and off the ice? Well, I think my defensive game's come a long way. I mean, I, I know people talk about that a lot, but I mean, I think the number aspect, I think it was minus 29 in my draft here to plus or whatever, four or five or whatever it was this year. So I think that's a big improvement there. But I think that just comes with age and experience. So I heard from a few of the guys in the locker room just about how this week is going, what they want to accomplish, just the entire experience as a whole, um, to be able to don the, the teal sweater for a week and, and what they're looking forward to as well on the upcoming prospect scrimmage this upcoming Friday. Before we do let you guys go, we want to remind you again, go to sjsharks.com. You can get your tickets for the game this upcoming Friday. It is a 7 o'clock puck drop. If I am not mistaken, it's how they did it last year. It's essentially two halves. Two it's halves. a little bit different. It's not three periods. And then they'll have a shootout at the end, mm. so that's always kind of fun as well. It allows the fans to be a little bit more interactive. You want to you try to get in early, too. I know doors open, I think, to the public at 6, and there's some other things going on for Sharks 365 and Barracuda season ticket members. But uh, the Sharks Foundation is going to be selling chuck pucks You're going to be able to play that at halftime. So weird to say that for a hockey game. But at halftime, you can play Chuck Puck. And the first, I believe it's 250 people to buy pucks, are going to be able to take part in an autograph session after the game with uh, with some of the players, which is who's taking part in that. I, I don't know yet. Uh, but it's going to only be those first 250. So uh, certainly get on board there if you want to meet some of these guys and, and get some autographs of the future stars. And it is a little bit to be determined. Don't want to jump the gun, but there are rumors that we are going to try to stream the game on Friday, so there are, is some potential if you can't make it at the game that you can still tune in. It would be at sjsharks.com. Also check all the social media pages. They'll have links as well. That is still up in the air. It does look like they're trending that way and going to try to stream the game. So again, if you can't make it, you can still watch and kind of get an idea on uh, what the whole game is about and some of the future future stars of the San Jose Sharks. So Joe, is that uh, that's about it for me? I got a big announcement. Oh, big announcement. Big right announcement. At, the end. All right. at some point, it's going to come out. I don't know if, it, if it's, uh, it'll be before or after this podcast comes out. But uh, we got our home opener date, Ooh. and that's going to be announced uh, today. I, at this point, I'm just waiting on a couple things. But October 11th, it's a Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, opponent to be determined. But October 11th is October the 11th. Barracuda home opener for the 2019-2020 season. I got to say that's the latest start I believe we've had in my three years. Yeah. It may, it may, not, well, it may not be our season opener. Okay. But home it, opener. Gotcha. It, that's our home opener. We've started home. One time we started home on the 28th of October. We were like on the road for okay. three weeks. I was just thinking back. the first game of the season. Yeah. And with the NHL schedule coming out yesterday, that kind of alleviates some of the confusion with the team sharing buildings. I mean, there's only a couple of I'm pretty of sure us. the next time we talk to you guys, so after the 4th of July, we will have a schedule which we can break down a little bit. And then uh, we're working here behind the scenes to build out a promotional schedule. We get some, 
some really good ideas here. Uh, we got some feedback, obviously, from, from fans when we asked on social. So lots of exciting things uh, in the mix here. We got to get some some approvals and finalize some things, but uh, some pretty some pretty cool stuff on tap. We think everybody's going to really enjoy. Yeah, we've got a lot to come. We have uh, the schedule's probably going to come around. Out, as you mentioned, just up the 4th of July. And Joe, I could be mistaken. This may be our last podcast for about a month because we're looking at we're well, going that's right. I forgot. I forgot you're out of town. I'm for out a of while. town. I'm leaving right after. I was going on a July. European vacation. Europe, European vacation, leaving the 6th, coming back to 22nd. And the entire office is closed for the full week of the 4th of July, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Got to love that. So everybody will be gone. So hopefully Nick, Nick will, Nick's time. volunteering himself to do an AMA from, uh, from Spain. <laughs> tell you what's, what's happening. If uh, we can get internet and it's, uh, it's clear and, uh, and good, I mean, why not? Why yeah. not? No, so. he, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to yeah. stay in touch, even yeah. if it's you know, a Q&A on, on social. We can you know, answer some questions and things like that if you guys have some stuff once the schedule comes out in this little – this little off period. But, yeah, once we get back into August, we'll probably do the biweekly thing for a couple more weeks. And then as soon as September hits, we're going to go back to a weekly probably because that's yep. when training camp starts and should be good to go. But Yep. Well, for now, we'll say see you. See you.